What's up, Sitwits? Before we get to this week's episode, no ad read, but I did want to give a quick shout out. And I do have a lot of listeners who enjoy reading some running books. This isn't your typical running book, but I did want to give a shout out to Alex Hutchinson, who writes for Outside Magazine, used to write at Runner's World. Um, If you're familiar with uh, Breaking 2 and the Runner's World coverage of it, Alex was probably one of the writers behind some of the very deep pieces that they did. So Alex has a new book. It's called Endure, Mind, Body, and the Curiously Elastic Limits of Human Performance. And it delves a little bit into the Breaking 2 stuff, but generally explores the limits of endurance in various contexts of life, whether it's the mind, whether it's the body, whether it's some of these incredible performances that we see sometimes and you really can't explain it. He's got an explanation within his book. If you enjoyed something like the sports gene or peak performance, uh, then this book belongs on that same shelf. So it's out on February 6th, uh, but you can pre-order it now. It's available from HarperCollins. It's available uh, from Barnes and Nobles. You can get it. The foreword is written by Malcolm Gladwell, a good friend of CDSmag.com. Uh, it says on the cover, this book is amazing, and I have to agree with that. So uh, check it out today, uh, or pre-order it today, and then once uh, you get it in the mail, read it. Give it a read. Let me know. Maybe we'll have Alex on the show in the next couple of weeks to discuss you know, the process of writing the book and some of the things that he found most interesting while reporting on it. So uh, yeah, just a little quick plug for uh, a friend. And now here's what you guys have been waiting for. This is the Meb Kofleski episode. Uh, you probably heard a lot about Meb before the New York City Marathon. It was his last one. There was no secret there. A lot of people were looking back on his career, the best moments, the numbers behind how fast he was and where he ranked in history and whether he's the greatest American marathoner of all time. This is debates that can go on and on for a while. So, But you heard a lot about him in the lead-up to the New York City Marathon and maybe a couple days after but what's he been up to this entire time? I figured it'd be nice to catch up with Meb for another one of these types of exit interviews that we've done with Andrew Weeding and uh, Alan Webb. So we're going to look back at Meb's career. Uh, it's a long one, so I had to keep myself uh, reminded that we got to keep this show going. So without further ado, this is the Meb Kukleski exit interview. All right, so now I'm joined by four-time Olympian, Meb Kapleski. Meb, the retired life. I see on broadcast you're still traveling to races. How's it, how's it been going, and I guess what's the best part so far? Hey, Chris, thanks for having me. Yeah, retirement life is pretty good. Uh, the best part is uh, I think it's spending more time with the girls than your donuts. Uh, I know don't have to set an alarm to give an apple for a run or – as I make appearances, uh, I, I used to be squeezing a run in, you know, sometimes say if I have an eight o'clock or nine o'clock flight and I would get up at like five or something or put a headlamp on on occasions to go for a run, but now I don't have to do those. Yeah, so I remember before the New York City Marathon, my buddy John Anderson from ESPN, <laughs> he was telling me how he was doing his notes and getting ready for the broadcast. And he asked you, you know, when was the last time before you really started training that you went out for a run and, you know, it didn't matter what was on the watch, what was for training, before 
you know, so before retiring, when was the last time before that that you just had a run for fun? Who I think uh, John was right. I think it was probably before I started competing in, in high school, 1990. So I think I'm pushed back from I was 27 years or 26 years. Uh, yeah, I mean, after that, it was all about, you know, can I make the high school team even even between in eighth grade? I was thinking of that. Uh, after I ran 527th grade, I decided that, to see if I can make the high school team. And then from there was like, okay, can I qualify for CIF, which is, uh, you know, local before you go to state. Uh, and then after that, it's like, okay, can I qualify for state? And then ever since it's been like, okay, can I mix state and can I win state? Can I qualify for NCAs and can I win NCAA titles when I'm in college? And, and after that became, can I make an Olympic team uh, or world championship team? And then after that became, can I win you know, New York or Boston. So golf setting was part of my life since uh, 1990, literally, or 1989. But now I can just say, you know what? It's a part of me that says, hey, you know, what is the moderate speed for me now? You know, I mm-hmm. still, uh, the shortest I have run is four miles, and the longest I run is 15 miles. And what makes me happy? And I'm trying to figure that out. I still haven't figured it out yet. But uh, no intervals, no tempos, no long run yet. So. Um, but it's nice to wake up saying, hey, you know, I'm just, you know what, I want to take a day off today, I'm going to take a day off. Or if I want to go for a run, I want to go run. And some people want to make an appointment with me, hey, meet you at 5.30 in the morning or 6.30 in the morning or 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock. I'm like, you know, I don't want to make a schedule. <laughs> That's the whole yeah. kind of retirement, you know. <laughs> I want to be able to just go one half still because you got nothing in my head the, the day before. And that's for me, that's part of training. So I'm trying to... Right now, I'm trying to just enjoy myself and uh, go as I needed. Because I, I go on these track and field stat sites all the time, and I went back and I looked earlier today to try and see what was the earliest result that they had for you. And the earliest one that they had for you is a 5K at Mount Jack Relays in 1996. You finished 7th in 1337. So, like, do you remember anything at all from, from that race, or has there just been so many races in your career since that, every some of those races are a blur. How good is your memory for back then? Um, I like to think uh, my memory is pretty good for most part. Um, you know, obviously, I'm human. I'm not perfect, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there's some results that I said, oh, I didn't even know about that. I think, you know, what Runsworth did some. I think it was Runsworth that did some races before the end of the year last year. But I remember that one pretty well because um, I remember my earliest pocket before that was. Uh, 95 at uh, Mount Sac. Mount Sac was my place of PRs, where I ran a personal mm-hmm. record. And uh, as a freshman, I ran uh, 1352, trying to qualify for NCAAs. So was 1355, the automatic uh, qualifying, and I ran 1352. And then I remember this one, 1337, uh, as a as a as a PR. Uh, the second time, not second time, uh, probably my sophomore year that is. And then uh, I finished fifth. They should have more than that. I finished fifth as a freshman uh, at the NCAA titles. Uh, I think it was 1440-something, but I was the top freshman that year. I guess best of the best fields, and I remember I ran in a, I ran 157, my last 800 meter, and uh, too bad four guys ran faster. <laughs> <laughs> this is impressive. Yeah. It's, it's like it was yesterday for you. And so that brings me, I guess, to 
what I wonder, because, you know, 1996, 1997, it wasn't until the mid-2000s where we really started to see, you know, a lot of videos of races start to go online, and now you can watch any race pretty much live for the most part. So from your memory in the 90s, what's one race that stands out to you that you wish, man, I wish there was video of that race, because now, now you're showing your daughters all your great races, but is there one that you think you wish that there was a video for? Well, thanks for the nice compliments, but I have no idea what's on YouTube or not. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, you know, I like to think myself, I was kind of like the pre-era, pre-YouTube or pre-online stuff. Uh, I think my uh, you know, teammate kind of recorded when I ran American Record in 2001, Dan Neednagel. He's it's called com. He started that. It was before... I think uh, forecast and all those things, but I think for me, if I had wanted to show, oh, it would obviously I think it would be, I think to run the 852 that I ran for 3200 meters uh, on a league championship. <laughs> so okay, uh, I think that would be, and then obviously I'm not sure if my uh, you know 405 in high school is there or not. I'm not, I don't think there is. Uh, and probably my 402 uh, running at the Twilight in Oregon would have been those three things I probably wish. If there is, I don't think there are, but I wish there was. I would a mile and, and in college and high school and then also the APC. So that was pretty incredible to be able to uh, run on my under league championship and break the school record and run uh, under nine minutes. Mark Davis, Mark Davis was a Olymp- uh, fellow Olympian, I guess, that made an Olympic team and broke his record and. Uh, I had him change, have it the, the 3,200 meter first before, because usually it's a mile and then a mile. Mm-hmm. And then the, the 3,200 meter, I tell him if they can switch it because I was going for the record. So that's probably the, the time I said, hey, let me try to do this and succeed it. But, you know, some other times I never really, anything set up for me to break records and things like that. If it happened, it happened. If it doesn't happen, it didn't happen. What's it like now watching the races with uh, with your daughters? Like, is it – are you noticing things for the first time? Because I know a lot of guys, they don't watch their races too much. And I'm sure you've seen Boston. I'm sure they've seen Boston so many times uh, from 2014. You, you went back and, you know, played some of the trials races, I guess. But I guess for you – what are what are some of these races that you didn't watch too often, and now when you watch with your daughters, even you're noticing little things now? Chris, I hope I can watch more often because I, I'm not the person that says, "Hey, let's let's go watch this." It hasn't happened yet, and in fact, I remember just you know with her, I was, I'm writing uh, uh, my third book. That's the reason I kind of want to refresh my memory. That's the only reason I went to look at the 20, uh, 2012 trials. But other than that, like Boston. I think I watched the one here, the viewing party they had here, and then I watched the one on my own, but I haven't seen it. And I only see it when the last three minutes or two minutes on Boston when people showed for introductions. But I, other than that, I haven't, I, I didn't even say no. <laughs> Unless they yeah. the races, they don't, they don't, it's not something we, you know, we watch it together and things like that. Down the road, I would love to, I have more time, but in fact, I was in Houston, this, uh, Houston Marathon this weekend, and I just, I wanted to show relatives that were in Houston about my trip to Eritrea, and I wanted to find the episode that Sketchers did in uh, the documentary for the Eritrea segment, and I couldn't find it. And then they kind of popped the names, and then 
the first time uh, that I watched the pre-race before the Boston Marathon of 2014. You know, the day before, I think I was on Sunday, like Josh and the company, Josh Cox, that is, and then others who were doing Frank Shorter and doing the interviews. And that's the first time I saw it just three days ago, which is like, I'm like, be quiet, be quiet. I got to listen to what I said before, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And uh, I haven't, you know, even then they were still chit-chatting and things like that. But that's, I haven't got the whole grasp of it yet because I remember, uh, you know, uh, just what I was thinking at that moment. And sometimes, uh, most of the time, I think 99.9% of the time I speak from the heart, you know, and I, you know, people say it's great speech. And then, when I speak from the heart, if you ask me to recite it word by word, there's no way I can tell you. So, uh, you know, I was in tune to that, be able to listen to what I said just because, you know, uh, before the big day happened. And uh, I speak from the heart live. I'm going to have it live on TV. So, you know, this is the first time I got a chance to see it. So I'd love to watch it again just to kind of, kind of slow motion for myself, just to be kind of, about myself, that is, to be able to just kind of take notes of what I was thinking you know, less than 24 hours before I went out to the tournament. So that's just, like, that's that's what you were thinking. And, and so when it comes to what you were doing, I'm guessing you're, because you were an excellent tactical racer in your career. And so I'm guessing those tactics, it doesn't, based off what you just said, it doesn't come from studying and rewatching races, which some people do that. For you, it was just the experience of having been in those races. Is that where the tactical smarts came from? Yeah, most definitely. I think watching other people race, and uh, I think maybe once in a blue moon, I would I would ask the New Yorker runners or Boston just to uh, send me the races so I can learn from them. But sometimes I watch them, sometimes they send me the DVDs, and I don't get a chance to see all of them, you know. Um, but I think tactics come from just sense of intuitiveness uh, to be able to study and uh, what others have made when you were there and now, you know, because marathon is, there's no single plan that you can go, but being, being able to be flexible and to adjust some of your moves and, you know, what you made mistakes that you made or what others have made. And uh, for me, every marathon, what I do actually is every marathon that I have run, I always write about three lessons that I learned from it, good or bad. You know, and uh, sometimes three do's and three don'ts. And I usually look at those, uh, at those notes, what I have, uh, what I need to learn for for the better for next time. So I do look at my notes, but I never really went to videos and kind of say, oh, that person ran this. And you know, I run the races, and, and sometimes, a couple times, maybe once or two, watch a couple things we are done back in the days when first got married and. You know, I was doing a lot of the leading, like 2005, New York or something when, you know, we talk about it and, and say, hey, well, I wasn't even 100% then. You know, I only had like eight weeks mm-hmm. or whatever training. So those things, you know, when I finished that race, I said, you know what? Uh, I remember Coach Lawson and I talked about it. If I, if I can just stay healthy, I, I'm, I know I'm capable of winning, but we didn't go to see what the video showed, you know. <laughs> it's just a split. Yeah. Sometimes I, I am a school kind of guy, you know, the day – after the race or the day of the race, I always look at their splits, see what where where I got broken or where I made my move, where I felt good and things like that. But I've never been a contributor, which sometimes now it's refreshing for me because like, wow, I didn't know that happened. <laughs> the, video, the videos show something that uh, that I wasn't aware of at the time. Even the same day, because you know, when you run a marathon, 
you're lethargic and you have depleted. Yeah, so tired. <laughs> you're tired, and it's like, and then you, you know, a split second it happens when it happens. So where you, whether you're pointing to the water station, hey, let me in, let me in, or let me out, let me out, and then you don't remember those things until you watch the video. Oh, I remember that now. But you know, when you done, when you ask for interviews and things like that, somebody bumped into you, like the 2016 trials with Galen on, you know, going on by the SC campus with Sonero and things like that. You don't think of those when you finish because you're you're tired. <laughs> but in the yeah. end, you play it back a little bit here and there once in a while that those things come to mind. So after your last marathon, what were the three things that you wrote? Because you weren't you're not gonna run another full competitively. So what were the three lessons you took away from New York twenty seventeen? I, I I wrote enjoy every moment. <laughs> the finish line is important, as as anything is, and uh, and I said you know not only on race but in preparation that week and during the race give it 110 percent every time. So for me it wasn't like you know it showed. I mean once I collapsed, all I could think was once I crossed the finish line, just protect my head. I didn't even know really. Who came to pick me out at that time, and I was just like, protect your head, protect your head, and <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know I was gonna fall. I mean, endorphin was important, and uh, got me to that finish line, fist bumping, and waving to the crowd. But once I ca- crossed the finish line, it, I couldn't stand up. I mean, I was gonna come down. Most people thought I was gonna do a push-up, my typical thing. That I was fine. <laughs> I was fine on doing that. I was fine on if I could even 13, 13 push-ups because I know I can't make a 26. But <laughs> there, was, there was nothing left. Uh, I was just done. So in preparation in the week of, I mean, I had close to 33 appearances. Uh, I wouldn't change any of those, you know. And the rest itself, I just, you know, the preparation was good. Uh, the week was awesome. The miracle runners went above and beyond to make me to make sure it was a special and it was special. And I gave all that I had with with I believe five or six stops uh, on route uh, and to still run too. You know, p- people ask, oh, uh, how old are you? I'm like, uh, 42. What did you run? I'm <laughs> 215, uh, 259. And I said, oh, that's amazing. Everybody was proud of me for finishing 11, which I was one shy of my third goal. My goal was to win, or top three, uh, top 10. And I finished 11th. And to have five stops in about five or six, I, you know, that's, I'm okay with it. Yeah. So when you hit the mile marker and said one mile left to go, what did the tank say and how much, I guess, like, did you want to, like, pop the fastest mile you had left and just leave it at empty, leave the tank at empty? Is that what was going through your head? What was the last mile? Did you, did you get a split on that? Uh, I'm pretty sure I did somewhere, right? I, I, don't know, maybe I, I don't know if I can look on my watch and have my other watch with me. But uh, um, it wasn't pretty. I think it was more like 540 or close to 6. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's all I had. And the only thing is I have no idea what place I was until probably well after – you know, you know, 20 guys go and, you know, you, you, you know, and some drop out and some we pass and here and there. And, but, you know, for me, from the start, you know, I was going to give it 110%. People thought always, oh, he's going to jog it in the victory lap. And trust me, if it was victory lap, I wouldn't have gone to Mammoth away from my wife and kids. <laughs> for five right. weeks. In fact, it's the longest I stayed in Mammoth after I left Mammoth Lakes to, to give it all that I have because I believe in preparation is the key to success and no regrets. If I did, if I didn't go to Mammoth, I would probably say, Hey, what if I have gone to Alpha? Would I have gotten that tenth place? But and like I said earlier, just giving all that I had in preparation, give it all I have that week and to make appearances to make me uh, 
my sponsors and uh, meeting and greeting people and I will change for the world. I always enjoy doing those. Uh, you know, making one less appearance or five appearances less would have changed outcome. Absolutely not. You know, it was written why I always say God has a plan for it and that was a plan and I wasn't planning on being depleted. I could have slowed down and get a finish line, but trust me, as many other runners or marathoners, they just want to get to the finish line as soon as possible. <laughs> and oh, yeah. As I can get there that day. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you know, yeah, I mean, I could have slowed down, but that wasn't it. I mean, I was trying to, you know, there was people in front of me that I was fighting against for every spot, and I ha- even though I had no idea what spot that was. And uh, and uh, I remember, again, I got a little spark of energy from Shalane Wynn, and right before where my good friend Ryan Shea passed away, uh, 2007 trials uh, in the uh, Central Park. Uh, just before that, I was going to do my cross. I'm thinking about him, and then somebody like said, "Shalane won," and I just, I bear in mind, I have stopped about four times by this point, if not more. <laughs> All I could do was just jump with both hands in the air, my feet in the air, like a little kid. I was so happy for her. For her, I, I didn't did. find out until I made the final turn into the park and I saw the big screen. And I saw wow. the the results there, and I was like, "No way!" And then that's right when we go into the park. That was the last little bit of energy I needed to get. Oh, uh, that's <laughs> awesome! No, no, it was it was just it was a, a great moment. It was a great day to run in New York. I mean, with the overcast, almost like the building, the high rises are touching the cloud, and you know, it was it, you know, it was humid, but the temperature was just right. Uh, um, but other than that, I know, I think it was just a great day for U.S. distance running to for her when she pulled the victory. And uh, I was just honored to be there with her on my last one. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about and think back on your career on the track for a bit. What's one yeah. thing you maybe wish you could have given maybe more of a shot? Because, I mean, you won NCAA titles. You thrived in that 5K, you know, the 10,000 to the mile PR just sits at 402 from 99. Did you ever think, like, Maybe in 2000, because you, you, I mean, that's the year after the PR. You could have trained and gone under four. And then I guess, like, what was the point when you just thought, okay, sub four is not going to happen because I'm fully committed to this this marathon now? You know, I, I think I don't get me wrong. I'm completely, completely happy with my career, and I I kind of went out on my own terms versus versus uh, 2000. Eight due to injury, or in 2011 on Nike terms, uh, not having sponsorship. So don't let's not forget that. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing that would I have to change, if anything, was uh, you know three things. I think uh, it would have been nice to run under four minutes. They can't go hand in hand. I think. I think it would have been nice to run 50 flat or under 50 minutes. I think I was, you know, I was. I have the ability to do it. It just never materialized. And I thought uh, I was. Several times, several times I was in 20, under 27 minute uh, uh, shape uh, to do it. It's just sometimes the pacing, sometimes it was a championship race, and sometimes Mother was, Mother Nature in Brussels did not allow me to run 27 minutes or so. But I think those those three things go on hand in hand. You know, if you have speed, 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 and uh, I think uh, if I look at some of my workouts and I did 97, I was definitely close. Uh, to materialize uh, on a great night evening race, not championship style. I think I could have run close to uh, 30 minutes or close to that. So those are the three things. But you know, uh, racing is racing. Uh, you know, even though you sometimes at back of your head you think about those and you know whether it's to break 27 minutes or 
uh, run under 13 or under four minute. But at the end of the day, you know, I did, I, you know, I, I just didn't utilize my best speed. I didn't think, you know, the focus started changing and into the marathon. But I think if anything was going to happen, it would have been probably in 2000, before 2004. After that, I think, you know, for the 27, maybe by the 13 minute, 13 minute and, uh, Sub four minutes. That should have been that. <laughs> yeah, the leg speed is gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, still, thank you. People always say, "Hey, can you break four minutes when you're 40?" And you know, I, to, not we are 2000, 2016. You know, I was uh, with my personal uh, New Year resolution to say, "Can I run as fast as I did in high school?" Whether to break <laughs> under under nine minutes for the two mile, which you know, I think that's I think I got like. 908 at altitude or something, and then uh, can I run, I know, the, the 405, you know, so, you know, some people say even that was 40, can I, you know, can I try to get close to it, and, you know, if, if you better work hard, you know, get extra hard and do a lot of, uh, uh, you know, on your toes to get those times, but at the same time, you know, it was fun, it was a great journey, and, you know, sometimes when you see people race on the track, you can, you can just remember what you, you, I was able to pull it off, you know, just, quarter repeat of 400, 400 or one mile, last one mile of a 5K or 10K. It's just a great memory that I have. And, uh, but, uh, you know, life goes on, and, uh, and I've been, most people don't even know that I ran a mile of 5K or 10K. They just know me. I'm yeah, there. everyone, exactly. Because I was, I was before the dot-com from this era. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that could yeah. be it, too. Yeah. Um, from your time on the track, because rivalries in the sport, it's hard to find the ones where it's like two guys hated each other or they just <laughs> raced against each other a lot. So I'm not going to ask you like who you hated on the track, but like you and Bernard went, when added like against each other, raced against each other a lot. You guys are friends, not you guys don't hate each other, but is, is, is Bernard the guy who you would say like back in the day was the person you had the most fun going up against all the time or was there someone else from the track days? Abdi? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Bernard, we never really raced on the track besides NCAAs because he was representing Kenya at the time. Um, oh, that's but, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, but uh, the big three that we used to call, people used to call us was myself, Abdi, and Alan Cole Pepper. You know, those were the guys that, you know, <laughs> we didn't hate. We were the best friends. But once the gun goes off, we wanted to beat each other as bad as possible, you know. <laughs> you know, and they made me better. I mean, uh, Cole Pepper is a great competitor with a great speed. Uh, I try to have enough space between me and him and going into the last mile or definitely for the last lap because once he turns it on, he can turn it on. And almost, I mean, we had 2000, he ran 20, I ran 2803.32 and he ran 2803.35. It was close to that 100 meter finish, but I thought I had that one with like 600 meter to go or whatever. And, and, and Abdi and the same thing, you know, Abdi got his number of shares and I'm proud of him what he have accomplished and still continue to accomplish. Uh, and, you know, and then, uh, we all, you know, Culpepper and I exchanged a couple of times on the cross country, uh, and Abdi was among the same thing. Abdi and I have some, some, a lot of pushes, you know, he, he pushed me three times at the end of the race. He just, I don't know if he's mad or <laughs> probably took it off, I think. But, uh, I think he did at the cross country. I barely got him. And then, uh, um, and then for, there was a one picture. I wish I, I would love to find it, but. 
I think I want to say 99 or 2000. I think I want to say 99, 2000. Uh, cross country, uh, Adam Goucher, who was my rival in high school in, in college, that's out clear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and at one point, he didn't want to shake my hand. He was that mad when I won the NCAA in '97 uh, cross country, but he came back eventually and shake my hand. And uh, after the cool down, he cooled off a little bit. But uh, that much rival there was. And uh, but uh, Abdi and I going for. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Adam won it both the 4K and 12K, and then. Abdi and I were fighting for six plays who can make the last guy on the team. And there's mud all over us. It was great picture. And uh, he got me. He got me uh, at the end. And uh, I know there was another one, I think, for first and second place. And then there have been a couple other ones, maybe and even a road race, where, you know, we had a lot of uh, uh, times of, uh, against each other. And then uh, but with, uh, with uh, Bernal Lagarde, I didn't think we had uh, – that much because any NCAs we did, you know, a little bit. I think he beat me. He he asked me in the fifteen hundred meter, and then uh, I came back and I beat him in the uh, in the five k uh, for a conference mm-hmm. title for a conference title with his hometown. And uh, I I made him over five hundred meter ago, and I won it. And you know, for somebody who's a world champion and a medalist, I, my claim of fame in the five k is that I beat him. So <laughs> we all have to. <laughs> I just looked it up. This is this is wild. Uh, your record versus Avdi. It's. Do, oh, you yeah. want to take a guess? I have no idea how many races we have. <laughs> so many. So you guys have. Let me see. Uh, you guys have forty forty one races against each other. Oh wow! And what's the split? <laughs> the split. You got it. It's twenty seven to fourteen. You. All right, I like it. It's almost a marathon. <laughs> I'll be <Yeah>. here. <laughs> um, That's funny. So now, I mean, I, we could talk for hours and hours about your Olympics. So I'll do this. I'll ask you one question for each Olympics. So four questions, and we'll go in order. So the first one, what was your reaction? This is for Sydney to Paul Tergott and Gebre Selassie, the finish, from your perspective. Because when I talked to Avdi about this race, he said that he got distracted, and that's why a couple of people passed him, like in the last 250, it was because he was looking at the screen. You in that race, you still ran, ran a PB, so you—I I don't think you were distracted. <laughs> I was definitely uh, distracted. In fact, uh, but, you know, that was the greatest race on the track ever, personally. Uh, I didn't think, you know, this is—I didn't think if there was any dot com or whatever again. <laughs> if anything's going to show. Uh, uh, and like you two and things like that, but uh, I remember I was 300 meter when they were going for the kick, uh, almost getting lapped almost. <laughs> and I thought the screen was right in front of me, and I, uh, David Alvarez, I think uh, from from Mexico, passed me. I'm like, you know what? Go ahead. It's all worth watching this race. <laughs> and, and then eventually I got him on the on the on the home stretch, uh, uh, and I passed him. But yeah, I. That was my most memorable Olympic that I ever had. <laughs> uh, the reason being my first Olympics, happy to present the United States. I stayed in the village. We went to the training camp. I had some some good hot chocolate or the other hotel where we stayed in chocolate. And everybody else started having chocolate after me. Hot chocolate, <laughs> that is. And, uh, and the flu, I got the flu right in the village. And uh, before the prelims, that is, we had a prelim for the 10K. Um, 
you know, Abby and I made it the final. Cole Pepper unfortunately didn't make it. And then uh, basically, you know, my dad, I remember saying, going to the stadium, he's like, you're going to win tonight? I'm like, no, dad, I'm not going to win. He's like, don't think that way. No, don't think that way. Don't think negative. I'm like, dad, those guys are running 1630, I mean, uh, 2630s, 20, and I haven't broke 28 minutes yet. <laughs> I, 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 broke, I, broke, I barely broke it uh, before uh, 2850. 2056, I believe, on the prelims. So I ran a PR on the prelims. And then uh, come final, uh, it was a great race. And, you know, we always, even though the race within a race, Abby and I always, always battle for the top Americans if, if you're not meddling and things like that. So a race within a race, and he got me. And uh, I ran 27.53. Uh, I remember leaving the stadium after the race. I said, I'm so happy to be an American, represent our country. But next time around, I want to win a medal for our country. And when I said that goal, in fact, that was, the PR, PR after the prelim, and then PR in the final, and I just said, you know what, I think I can do something magical in the 10K, and uh, I left the stadium sending a goal for myself. I want to win a medal for our country next time. I was happy to be in the Olympia, but I wanted to be a medalist, and obviously uh, that changed to uh, the 10K and a, a marathon in Athens. But Sydney was memorable. I still talk about that. I said, what if, you know, that was pre, pre-9-11. So you, the Australians did an amazing, amazing job to show us hospitality. You can just show me a badge, you're an Olympian, everything was at your service. It was just incredible to just, you know, sightseeing or taking the boat or wearing your USA uniform, jackets out on the bout versus ever since 9-11 things changed uh, for the worst. That was, uh, unfortunately, to not wear your USA proudly uh, in the different er- area. Yeah. And so moving on, yeah, no, it's it's a great one. I always like hearing the perspective of like the best race you were part of that you didn't win, and that 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 was it for you, right? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they would love to have won or they have a lot of medal, but I mean, I'm a very realistic guy. I didn't go for the <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna medal. I mean, I was there were so many guys. I haven't broken in a minute yet. I mean, yeah. So I mean. There's other races that I wish, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, both both uh, London and uh, Rio and the marathon, I felt like I could have content for a medal. Uh, and that's me within myself or even, even you know, New York, this last one, I think on a perfect day, I could still have finished in the top three, you know, third place. Mm-hmm. It was really open or in the first place, man, I think uh, Geoffrey was too good, and he's a cross-country runner like my young self, and he can make moves and things like that that I can't do anymore, so you have to accept that. Mm-hmm. But I think getting the podium, if I have you know, played it conservatively or didn't have issues, I think it would you know, it would have been something. And bear in mind, so move on. In New York, yeah, yeah. I'll say one more thing in New York. And in New York, the reason I collapsed was I stopped five times, but before that, I was dropped. A twelve and a half or twelve miles, I have to make a big gap and then try to go try to make the gap before first avenue where the moves would have made and it would have been a bigger lead. So by having to catch up on that, I worked extremely hard to make that happen. And then oh yeah, I was and then and then with the issues that I had, I was so depleted. But you know that's 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 the next thing that's that's racing. Some things you can predict it. Sometimes you can overcome it, and other times you can. And I'm so glad that I finished. But you can go back to your Olympic. Uh, Memory yeah, we'll keep the rundown going. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one, Athens. I know NBC did a big deep dive into Vanderlei Lima before the 2016 Olympics. They were writing a lot about him. Uh, for the listeners who maybe haven't read the stories about him, you were in that race. You, I mean, the dream came true for you to medal. 
when he was attacked by like the, the Irish priest, what, how far back were you? And like, did you have any idea that that happened? So going to Athens, uh, in terms of the answer to that short answer, is I don't remember him getting attacked. I just saw surrounded uh, people on the uh, there was bike on the road, and then people were surrounded. But I have no idea accident that has happened or that attack happened. Um, but I had to make a tough decision going to Athens because Sydney, I was a 10K, and then now with American record and and uh, 27. 13 and then the following year and 27 20 and now 20, 20 2004 uh you know i have to make a tough decision that i go in the marathon or that i do uh um 10k and i was already signed up for new york and but i think you know billy mills the last american to met on the 10k he was you know on a, on a, in a bypass he, he was trying to convince me to run the 10K, he's saying he really believed in my speed after he saw me around 27.35 or something at the trials on the, on the heat uh, when I set the national uh, Olympic trial record. And so going to Athens is a tough decision. If you want to be like Athens, I mean, like uh, like Sydney, do the marathon, the 10K first and have a two-week vacation, enjoy everything else, or do you want to wait until the last minute of the event in Athens and the heat and the humidity and the hills and that was a mm-hmm. decision to make, but uh, Coach Lawson and I decided to, uh, you know, to to go. He said, "Whatever decision you make, you're gonna go. You're gonna, I'm gonna support you." So I ended up running. Uh, you know, I was sleep one night, make, make, pretend that I'm going on 10k, and then another night, pretend I'm going to the marathon. But in how far, you know, the the prestige of the marathon, the original course, uh, where Fede Paris and <laughs> and other the, uh, you know, to be there to make the history just. They won, and I can remember my mentor, Dr. Steve Bankham, he just says, how exciting would it be, even if you didn't win a medal, just to be in the hunt uh, 20 miles into it, how you would re-energize uh, you know, the U.S. business running is what he gave me when I was making a decision. And, you know, mm-hmm. come back to the race now, I was the 39th fastest guy, and I think, you know, before we go any farther, I know the guy that finished bronze medal in the 10K was the night I just said uh, from Eritrea where I was born. That's and right. To this day, I think it would have been a, a battle for that bronze medal. And uh, I'm so glad I wasn't because he's a, a hero uh, that won the first medal for Eritrea. And uh, it was just incredible. And uh, I wouldn't have won that, <laughs> you know, from born <laughs> Eritrea and run for the U.S. That would have been a tough position to be. But uh, he, Oh, that's right. Yeah, so, that would have been crazy. So, <laughs> It went, went crazy. He's a good friend of mine and a huge idol in Eritrea. As, as there might, there might give us a last day of phone, won the marathon also in New York. But going to the race in in Athens now, I was the 39th fastest uh, going in. My best time was 210. My, this is my fourth marathon. Uh, New York, I hated it. The trial, and, and, and then Chicago, I ran 210.03, which is my PR. And then the trials, I was under train. So, I was played very conservative. I mean, we all the marathon seminar we attended the seminar where we had to play safely, and Dina Castor uh, did an amazing job to win the, the bronze medal. So that gave me an energy as well. And uh, so going to the race, 39th fastest guy, and played safely. I warmed up seven minutes because it was so hot already. Just gotta <laughs> put the body in motion a little bit, and then uh, <laughs> at 15k, I gave thumbs up to uh, my coach Bob Larson. And uh, I tell the medical the medical staff they were there every five day in the station the drinking station say give me let me know if I'm behind how much I'm behind and I had no idea that Lima you know uh, Hendrik Ramala kind of took off 
and then we caught them or but I'm usually tucked in the behind I have no idea that the, uh, the lima was ahead until somebody told me like 45 seconds after leader when I caught up with the group you know I was always tucked in the behind and saving energy and trying to overheat and then wow and then I'm like 45 I thought this was the leaders and then Eventually, I tell, you know, we got down to six people. Bear in mind, now, Paul Toga was a world record holder. And, uh, yeah. 204.55. So, he, you know, I need another mile head start to be able to compete against him. And I didn't think I would. Gold was, gold, I really, you know, knowing him, what he ran in, in Sydney, knowing what he had accomplished as a marathoner, I said, gold, gold goes, I was giving him all gold medal to, <laughs> to Paul Toga. I didn't think anybody was going to beat him. And then eventually, you know, about, I think maybe 30K or so, I saw him struggle a little bit and then was five people, get it down to three people. And then and, and, uh, I think at one point when we saw the Lima ahead of us, I saw Stefano Bovini and Diamo Uno Adue living in Italy. Help, kind of helped me speak Italian a little bit. I used to speak fluently. I understand 90% of it now, but I said, <laughs> Diamo Uno Adue, I should have my minimum move. But I, you know, he kind of looked at me like, what is this guy saying probably? And I would look and... Uh, and uh, we helped each other to just go, and we caught him. Um, little after 5K, uh, I think um, um, Stefan Bolini passed him, and eventually I passed him. And but uh, I was, you know, one one race that I won that he asked me a question earlier was in the marathon. That is, it would be probably that. Now, if everything put together, that's the one race that I would I wish I went for it. 110% that is because mm-hmm. in the marathon, that was my first marathon. You talk about the good and the bad. I mean, I'm a student of the sport. You think about the good and the bad. All I could think about when he made that move was flashback, flashback, New York. Uh, somebody going to come from behind. might not get a medal. So I wasn't going to be picking what medal was going to be. I didn't think I had the confidence uh, to go with him, uh, you know, even though my training was great, but I didn't have the experience to, to react. And then, he just made a move. I looked like downhill. He made a move, and uh, I was I threw my hat with one mile left. I if I can go after him, but uh, he Stefan Bolin had a phenomenal day, and uh, I also had a phenomenal day, and uh, ended up winning silver medal, the first American in 20 years since Punctur 1976. And uh, uh, they took me straight. I didn't have a victory lap. They took me straight to. Uh, to the drug testing, <laughs> so uh, and I didn't have any, uh, you know, handshakes or whatever. But to be, and then they have to we finish in the old stadium and then have to go to the new stadium uh, to be able to, uh, you know, do the moment uh, of uh, mm-hmm. celebration. So and then it was pretty pretty awesome. It was a, uh, you know, dream come true. You know, it's a flashback like the movie. I know I talk a lot about Sydney, but that one was also memorable just in, in a way that. A little kid from born Eritrea migrated to the way of Italy and come to the United States as a as a twelve as a seven uh, you know twelve year old and, and eventually discover running in seventh grade never ran beforehand and it's like and then all the people in my high school said hey you know see you at the Olympics and you're gonna win a medal <laughs> don't forget the small people and things like that in my yearbook so that was kind of the flashback with all the people that kind of helped me be who I am from the teachers to the classmates to teammates and. And the mentors and my parents and all that stuff. And Athens was special because that's the first time I saw my dad after a five year of separation. When we were in Asia, yeah. I was the first one to go to him, give him a hug, and said, Hey, man, how are you? And I'm like, No, that's not Matt Howie's mad. Because <laughs> he, he, he thought <laughs> I was too small. So, but I guess being small doesn't have an advantage to being a, an Olympic medalist. Yeah. It's a Disney movie in the making. <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, it would be wonderful if it ever happened. I'm just fortunate to have a book or run to overcome to tell about my story. And, you know, met some mortals and working on my other book. But, you know, may rest, uh, um, Dick Emberg, you know, may he rest, rest in peace. Uh, he kept saying that on our podcast is like, this is a movie, this is a movie a couple of times. And I think <laughs> a couple of times to say, hey, let's make it happen. How can we, you know, pick a few things. But I hope it does happen. Your Donald always said, uh, There'll be a book about you. There'll be a movie about you. But if it does happen, it'll be you know. Now we're we're great with the sketchers uh, uh, and Star Media and BAA and uh, BAA and New York Runs have assembled. The documentaries are amazing. They've done a great job. And uh, thanks to sketchers for making it happen. All the all the people that got mm-hmm. involved with it, Howie and uh, Zach and, and and company. So I'm really really appreciative, especially the BAA and New York Runners for providing those footage. Uh, it, it, it helps to tell the story of much more uh, videos and pictures speak louder than words. So I hope I hope it does come true if it does happen. But you know those documentaries are something for that. So before we do London and Rio, who plays Meb in a movie? <laughs> what, what actor? Have you uh, thought about that? I think if it was my choice, it would be uh, well. Does it Washington have a lot younger for my wife? She loves Does in Washington. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, maybe Will Smith's son or something. I don't know. I I, I I like to watch movies now, but I haven't had too much time to watch movies to think about actors. But uh, I know. I don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe it'd be interesting. We'll bring for now. We we can Kevin, continue to brainstorm. Maybe, yeah. maybe, Kevin, maybe Kevin Hart can play for the role now, but he might have to shave his, you know, his head though. <laughs> <laughs> he is a marathoner. He's a marathoner. He's a marathoner. Um, he had a lot of comedy, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, London, fourth place. I mean, you talk a lot about how that was. It was important to get fourth place, and you know, given the the cloud that hangs over the sport, you never know what happens. Um, but I think what we don't discuss enough about that fourth place performance is you were only like four, five, six seconds ahead of the guy from Brazil who was right behind you. How scary, I guess, was that last uh, that last bit of the race? And did you even turn around to like check and see if this guy's coming by you? And that's fourth place right there. <laughs> you know, um, the Santos, who's a good friend of mine, uh, won New York a couple of times uh, in the London, you know, uh, the race, I, you know, I was pretty confident. I knew it's my last, uh, you know, I tell I think, to uh, <laughs> Lewis Johnson that this is my last uh, Olympics. And I said 99.9, you know, I always look for it. <laughs> so like, a, like the movie Dumb and Dumber. So he tell me there's a chance. One in the big yeah. <laughs> Some people are away. That's one of my favorite movies, by the way. So, <laughs> and, uh, so going to that race, I think, you know, my last Olympics, I'm going to give all that I had. I went to Mammoth and put a training camp. And, uh, uh, you know, I think I was confident. Of my, you know, even though the training wasn't perfect, uh, I was catching up from injury, but it was going really well. I was confident that I could potentially get a, you know, uh, a, a, a podium finish. I didn't think gold or, gold or silver were in my reach, but I think bronze always, you can, you can if I could play smart. So going to the race, you know, was... I was in the front, and you know, I was the only only medalist, or maybe even marathoner potentially from the 2004, and I didn't get even introductory. <laughs> they told me send me back. You know, they had they chose some different people from different continents and things like that. So that pissed me off for sure. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna show it to you, see what it is. But I'm gonna go in the front. You're gonna go <laughs> so competitively, kind of comes out, and 
you know, I struggled. Uh, the cobblestones, uh, my feet was getting beat up uh, um, from the even the bridge ride that I left in 2011, New York City Marathon, that got infected. Uh, so my 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 wound is still still dealing with it up to present day. But during mm-hmm. the race, I was you know people often ask me, do you enjoy the scenery or when you compete? And I said absolutely not. I'm competing and. That day, there was a cathedral, uh, like, at the halfway mark or so. I'm like, I was 21st place. I'm like, I should stop here and just enjoy the view. I already had signed up for New York City Marathon. So don't do any more damage to my foot. But then I'm like, you know, you're wearing the USA jersey. Really, uh, you know, you are representing your country. It's not for you or anybody else. And, you know, you have your daughters at the finish line and 49 or 50 people at the finish line from siblings to my parents to and a friend that I can see me run, I'm like, you know what? I just think that moment, I just said, you know what? No matter how many, I was 21st, no matter how many people come from behind and pass you, you're going to get to that finish line. I just remember that. You're going to finish today, even if it's 50th. And I just kept going, kept going, kept going. I said, I pray, God, help me get to the second group. There were seven guys ahead of me. I caught up to that group. And then eventually I said, maybe I could be one person of this group. And then eventually two. And then I got greedy. And then I said, maybe I can win this race, win a race. You know, a top five from this guy, from this group. And then with 5K left, uh, my mentor, Bob Lawson, was there. He pointed out six fingers. And he said, so I could run next to the Japanese guy. And then I'm like, well, I can see this guy, and there's six people ahead of me, or he needs sixth place for me, or the Japanese guy. So I'm like, well, you know, okay, another mile, and I see a green jersey. I see the, you know, I didn't know at the time, a green jersey. I said, well, if I, if he's in fifth place, I'm in sixth place, and if I take him, I can finish in fifth. Size my energy, save my energy. But then I'm like, no. If I can catch that guy, and he was, if he's in fourth place, and I can beat him for whatever reason, allegation comes with a drug deal that's going on. I don't even know who's winning, who's in the, who's in the top three or whatever, if I finish fourth place, if one of them get busted with drugs, then I get to move in. So that's what was my motivation to pass into fourth place. And I remember De Santos, and I, there's a picture of us that says, I passed him with five, me in the, in the front, the 500-meter sign in between us, and then him behind me. And I said, can we catch De Santos? And I just pushed as hard as I can. And then at that point, he's kind of, I know he's trying to catch me also, and then I'm like, I'll oh, just keep spinning, keep spinning. Then I see a flag. I'm like, should I grab the flag? Should I grab the flag? Or should I not? I'm like, he's coming, <laughs> after, me. He's coming after me. I'm like, and you can't see the finish line. The finish line was not like the Boston or it was in, or New York. It was pretty small unless I was in the zone. That's all I remember. I can't see the finish line. So I'm like, I know it's somewhere in there, but where is it? I'm like, I grabbed the flag. I wanted to run with both my hands in the air and, but uh, I'm like, he was trying to catch me, trying to catch me. So I'm like, you know what, tuck it in and just move your hand. Use my hand to propel me forward. Use my hand, use my hand. And as I came to the finish line, and when I saw it, I raised the flag over my head and can finish fourth place, which I feel very proud of. And, uh, you know, it's not a medal, but most people think that uh, one of my biggest, biggest rates, uh, uh, more than this of a medal for the people that know really well about the sport to overcome adversity. And eight years later, and uh, that taught me, that gave me hope that gave, uh, of what, that I can still win New York, that I can still win Boston. Um, that also gave me hope that I can overcome adversity. And then in the moment, you know, if I have dropped out, you know, later, later I realized 12 of my other teammates unfortunately dropped out because they were having a bad day. But, you know, it would have been a disaster for the United States. Um, but to be able to finish fourth place that moment, it was, uh, you know, and from 21st place. So people still talk about that moment. And, you know, I, I'm a front runner, and I, I like to be in the front. But when I'm struggling, you know, you know, even 
even uh, some races like New York, because my last race, I was thinking the same thing, all right, you know, or even Boston this year, this 20, 2017, I was like, what's wrong with you? Maybe you do a comeback from, from behind, but, you know, it's one thing to do it uh, when you are younger. <laughs> it's another thing to do once you get older. They don't come as easily, but that was a huge, huge race for me. Yeah, it's it's one of the, it's one of the ones where we learn that you can never count you out as like a dark horse. And so, um, the last it's the last Olympics question, and then we'll do some listener questions that are short and fun. So, okay. uh, so in Rio, there's 15 DNFs. You stopped a couple times. Last Olympics, I mean, we know what kept you going. It's the USA singlet. So everything's going great. You make it to the finish line, and you fall. How quickly, in those split seconds that you're you're about to hit the ground, do you think, crap, okay, Meb, it's time to do some push-ups, or you're going to end up on Jimmy Kimmel and all these comedy shows, and you're just going to be on YouTube as the guy who fell? In that instant, how quickly did you make that decision? <laughs> I mean, the millisecond, you're talking about that time, you know, the time that he fell, and to, get, to, to realize he had fallen down, and, you know, it was... It was embarrassing. I'm not gonna lie, uh, but I was. I, I know you said I, I I stopped seven times, and then to go to the finish, I said I'm clear as a whistle. Just don't compete. I didn't even know what place I'm in, in, so I know I can't get the, catch the guy in front of me. I know the guy behind me has enough space, so I'm like, all right, just cruising, just cruising, just cruising. And in honor of Joni Bonoid, when she won the gold medal, she took her hat off, and when I made the Olympic team at the trials in LA, she's like, man. Should have taken my hat off, and uh, and I'm like, damn, I, sh- I should have, I should have, you know. And then so in Rio, that was what I was thinking. I'm like, I got two more steps left. You know, I've been trying to get to that finish line for the last 13 miles because I was having biggest problem I had besides the Boston 2017 was that was the first time I had problems at 13.4 miles. You know, 13 marathons a long way, but when you have an issue and problems uh, at 13.4, it's an ultra marathon and. So now I'm all thinking was okay, get to the finish line. I've been, you know, and I thought I thought I had one, one, two more strides. You're gonna be there, and I just remember my knee went straight, my left knee went straight in, my right leg just went straight out. I always am fascinated by people who are gymnasts who do the split. Thought that was the closest moment I get to, to get to do a split. <laughs> I guess. So all I could think was I fell, and everybody just went dead quiet on the on the on the stadium. And I just thought, all I think was, okay, you got to let them know. And I didn't cross the cross finish line. I have to drag myself to the chest. But what people don't realize, though, that my timing chip was on my on my, on my shoe. So it cost, it cost me a couple of seconds, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to just say, you know what? I got to let them know how I'm okay. So I just decided to do a push-up. And, you know, I did, I think I did three. I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? I'm going to do three push-ups for my girls. And I just boom, boom, boom. And it went viral, I guess, uh, basically, to just says, how can you do a push-up at the end? And everybody in the crowd just kind of roars down, yeah. All I was thinking was, you know, I was okay. And now people talk about that more. Uh, I didn't have a medal. You so saved yourself. I saved myself. But it was a split second. It's like, I'm going to fall. Okay, I'm fell down. And I'm, okay, I got to let them know I'm okay. And. I was, even though I was banged up, I just did push-ups. Oh, man. I remember I was, I was in the, the media center when it happened, and I was like, and you could hear other people in the room go, ooh. And then yeah. and then you just rebounded immediately, and it, it became another Meb moment that we all come to know over the years. 
Well, thanks. You know, it's a great honor and uh, sort of put some content as best you can. But I remember even now, you know, I was in, in Chicago and I was the person was the person was running and he stopped. He stopped, you know, and I thought, Oh man, he got a hamstring problem. Hamstring problem and I but literally I realized he started doing push ups because that's in your honor, you know, and uh, people still talk about the uh, Rio finish, and even <laughs> when uh, when I went to visit the White House as an Olympian, uh, President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama, they're like, oh, the finish was epic, and then also, wow, you know how how you handle yourself with your girls, at the, at, you know, and you know cherish this girl. So it was pretty cool, you know. Even they saw the finish and appreciate what I'd done. So, but yeah, you know, you, you're representing your country. You try to do carry to the in a big dignity and uh, ethics for the best that you can. And, you know, not always you're going to finish, but I have one DNF. And unfortunately, I had a, I think I had that jersey, USA jersey, but I was thinking that was, uh, that was Lon- uh, London 20, 2007. And, you know, uh, by that point, I was thinking of making an Olympic team. So you got to make a good judgment. But if I haven't fallen or if I haven't uh, bleeding, I'm not going to stop. So, you know, that's what people kind of respect a lot more about me finishing the tough days because not every day has been smooth and sailing in the marathon. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So we got a couple listener questions that we'll cruise right through. All right. All right. First one, Pat in North Carolina asks, as a UCLA alum, what are your feelings on Lonzo Ball, the Lakers, and LeVar Ball? Oh man, that's a tough question. I'm a big basketball basketball fan, and but how is God handled is uh, really sad. Um, especially what the team, all three of them, have done uh, um, to the in China, and that's a disgrace to the institution. They all, you know, I, I guess maybe they didn't attend the student athlete uh, conference where you, when you wear that USA, I mean uh, UCLA, you are representing not only yourself but your family, your community, and uh, the institution of UCLA, which we probably wear whenever I can. Uh, so, you know, it's it's really unfortunate that that had happened. Yeah, yeah. And so, LeVar Ball. I mean, can you imagine if there was a LeVar Ball in track? <laughs> It'd be hilarious. I mean, he is, you know, he's a very smart businessman, but he's out there and doing whatever he wants to do. And from... From what we know is, you know, he's a good dad, and he's, you know, when in a private setting, he's uh, he's really cool. But I think, I guess, when when he's uh, when he's out, he's a businessman. He's, <laughs> he's a businessman. Yeah. So I mean, we're not gonna talk big baller shoes. We're not gonna talk big baller shoes because that's what <laughs> they've invented. But uh, so this is another one. Dan in California, he asks, how difficult was it for you to? choose to sign with Skechers when they were essentially an unknown brand in pro distance running was there a little trepidation at first for you yeah I mean it, it, let's be clear everybody had a chance besides Nike everybody else had a chance mm-hmm. to take you know and I we re, Howie and I did an amazing job to you know reach out to them as best we can and use connection but nobody thought that I could come back and Skechers uh it had a, a shoes called Pro Speed, and that I that I tried, and you know, it needed a lot of improvement. But at the same time, they have not been to the performance division yet. But now you see night and day, and and I like to take credit some of it for that because Kurt Stackbridge and uh, and others that have w- worked there to help me. You know, they you know it's a partnership. It's not even a sponsorship. Mm-hmm. It was just like, how can we improve it? And I tell them. 
when I was there, I can run a PR in a marathon and half marathon. There's, if you're looking for a 5K, 10K, I'm not the guy for you. And another shoe company asked me, can you run a 205? I said, absolutely not. But I can win New York, <laughs> I can win Boston. That's all I could do. He asked me in 2004 or 2005, and I could have that confidence to say, hey, I can. I think I could run 205, 206. But, you know, at that stage in the career, you know, almost a, a decade later, you know, it's not, it's not I'm not the guy, like I said, it's not going to happen. I'm not the guy for you. And, uh, but yeah, I think, um, but they already made a shoes. You know, they made a casual shoes, comfortable shoes that you can walk around with and go to work. So it's not reinventing the wheel. And I know Kurt Starkbridge has been with uh, another company before. Uh, we won't name which one. <laughs> and uh, so mm-hmm. it was, it was just, you know, it was, it was a, a partnership a team. And, you know, no, I mean, I, they made the shoes for me. We kept improving and improving now. I mean, I, I have no, imp- I don't even have any input on it's so good right now because, I mean, you could always make room for improvement, but the shoes that I race in, uh, the Gromep Speed, and then also the Razors, the uh, Go Run and Go Ride. I mean, with the Go Ride, I tell them, you know what? At the beginning, I said, there's no way we can run a marathon. This is for evening runs and things like that. But they listen and they implement now. You'd be more than happy to wear it whether it's half marathon or marathon. They just great company, great shoes that we have come up with. Yeah, so on Instagram, Peach Runner twenty six point two asks, "What was what's your favorite trainer?" Well, I like the uh, uh, Go Run. I was it was a Strada that I trained with the sketchers with a Strada, uh, uh, and now I'm using the Go Run six, and it's a, it's a great shoes, and uh, they also have Go Ride seven. So I still try some new products, but you know the the Strada was when I trained that was my go to, but now the Go Run and the Go Ride are awesome. All right. Now we got uh we had another question from Twitter that asks it's twenty twenty. You take last year's performances, so we're taking the twenty seventeen performances and we're pretending it's twenty nineteen. <laughs> who do you think who do you think makes the Olympic team in the marathon? Oh man. I you know do you know I qualify for the trials? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You still have you, you have a trial uh, qualifier. I mean, I mean, given Rob, I guess uh, as the intended to be the way it is, and then he he should be able to. Um, their word is running pretty well, but then uh, uh, Kip, Kip is running really well um, from uh, Hanson and Dayton. You know, uh, can be a factor. I mean, it's still early, but I think as far as right now, if you saw this last year. Obviously, Rob won uh, in uh, Chicago and uh, Abby. Abby, he got himself in the in the, in the game. And uh, uh, B. Watts is huge. Um, you know, I think uh, Luke DeCastro. Jared, Jared is going to hang in. Jared still got it. Yeah, Jared, Jared. I said Jared, and then Luke DeCastro is there. So, I know Lagarde just ran at twenty, you know, one oh two. So. <laughs> Look at him! He might be coming back to the marathon. Yeah, I know. So uh, you know, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. So, but uh, you know, it's, it's open. It's open. It's really right. Well, right open. But there's one guy that is uh, that is there. So I don't know what. Depends on all that stuff that's going on. Also, that's pending. So it depends. Mhm. Tim in Brooklyn asks, Have you ever looked at Ryan Hall and thought about adding some more muscle now that you look at him? <laughs> 
not because of Ryan Hall. I always, I always play UCLA. <laughs> uh, in fact, I talked to the trainer from uh, the Knicks. Something a bar. His name is a strength coach. When uh, when I had a dinner with him, uh, he kind of remembered my size and bulk muscle. But uh, I always thought about it. I'm not not like that. And then you know I, when I lift, I always uh, had to uh, gain weight. And I do not want to run for 26.2 miles with it or 13.1 miles. <laughs> but, uh, when I was in UCLA, I used to lift three times a, three times a week and enjoyed it. Uh, but no, for me, it's to be lean. Uh, but I I don't want to be massive weight. And but I did I did I did I, did, I, I have hit the gym three times. Uh, whenever I travel, that is, you know, if it's cold like when it was in Houston, it was cold and 35, 25 degrees. I say, you know what? The gym sounds good. I'm gonna go lift some weight. So it's not like I you know I still enjoy that part of my life. But I don't want to be big now. Definitely not. I asked Alan Webb last week for his like weight training exercises and how much he used to bench and the the process. What's the max you ever benched when uh maybe it was at UCLA or before an Olympics? What was your the max you benched? I don't know, but I think probably on my on my quick memory says like one sixty, one seventy five maybe. Gotcha. Yeah, Alan Alan I think said he was I, I could be wrong on that. I mean that's you know, I and I used to hit that room when I was when I graduated from UCLA, uh, when we were at the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista, so I'm, I always enjoyed the gym gym stuff. Evan Park on Instagram asks, and I don't think I don't think you're a beer guy, Meb, but he says, "What was the first beer you had after the New York City Marathon <laughs> in 2017?" Uh, the first beer that I had since 2017. So after the marathon, what was the once you retired and you could enjoy it? What was the, do you remember what was the first one you had? Oh man, uh, I had wine. I don't think I had beer even yet since I retired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I like I like I like wine, and uh, my wife said I'm surprised you to Costa Rica visit uh, trip. Uh, I had Bloody Mary, but I always whenever I fly with first class with the New York runs, they always ask me, "You want Bloody Mary?" I'm like, "No, I'm runner." And, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, I had my first martini, but uh, I'm probably uh, 42 years old. My first martini, my first time ever, and uh, <laughs> Bloody Mary, and uh, so uh, yeah. No, but I, I like Samuel Adams. I love Samuel Adams. The, the cherry flavor is my favorite. Uh, but I, I haven't had it yet since I graduated. So I mean, since I graduated and retired, you're <laughs> <laughs> retired. <laughs> yeah, still still trying new things. Um, yeah, my last mom listener question. Beer. My mom makes homemade beer, so when Christmas, uh, oh, yeah. Greek Orthodox, so on the 7th, on the 7th is when Greek Orthodox uh, uh, Christmas is, so I had the homemade beer, but uh, I haven't had beer yet. There's, I, I'm looking at them right now, there's like Corona and Hanukkah and, you know, when we throw parties, but you're done, so I don't try to bring alcohol too much, and this is wine, so mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Mo on Instagram asks, uh, Meb, how do you deal with the lack of motivation sometimes that happens during training? He's like, I'm sure during the dog days of training when motivation slides, as it does for myself and amateur runners, trying to get out for a run, especially when it's cold, uh, gets hard. What do you do to combat that mindset? You know, I would say the hardest part, even as an elite athlete, you know, for me, when I was in Mammoth Lakes, uh, it's like, oh, I delay, if I'm summer myself, I delay it as long as I can, you know. Uh, get better and there's no snow and it's windy and but the hardest part is uh is just putting your shoes on and getting out the door and once you get out the door you kind of come energized and you're going to come 
the same mileage that you had planned or sometimes even more, you know, but just, you know, just know that, you know, if you don't put it in, nobody else is going to put it for you. And for me, I always been, you know what, you know, I think was, I think um, Jim Ryan was saying somewhere when I was in high school as well, if it's hot, snow in Kansas, you know, I better get out and do it. Otherwise, somebody else is training harder than I am. So I use that same motivation to try to get out and get a, get a run in. Last three questions I have, and I ask these to all the guests. First one, what's the meanest thing you ever read about yourself on Let's Run? I feel like you don't go on there. I feel like Howie maybe <laughs> creeps every now and then. <laughs> no, I'm not going to die. I've been on it, and uh, uh, I think the meanest thing is probably he's not American enough because when you're wearing that USA jersey, um, that's, that's, that's a putting hole in your heart because – you know, every time you make an Olympic team, a world championship team, or whatever, you represent your country. And just like I proudly represent San Diego High proudly, UCLA proudly, I try to represent the United States proudly. And and when they don't know you people, they, they may have this pre-assumption uh, or conception of you. But you know, I, I think you know, I I love running the years, and I say that done a lot for me and my family. And when you hear that, and or you know, when and after I won your city marathon, and somebody said or said. He said that uh, uh, Daryl uh, said uh, he's not American enough. Wow, you know that's why was I pointed at USA jersey? <laughs> now I wasn't pointed yeah. at Nike or any Skechers logo any other times. I'm wearing that USA jersey, which I probably wear, and so that hurts. But you know what? People are entitled to their opinion. Yeah. Uh, next question is: uh, If you can run anywhere in the world. With any person from history, it could be an actor, it could be, you know, a movie star, it could be a comedian, a writer. Uh, where would you go for this run, and who would you run with? And let's say it's a conversational pace for the two. <laughs> Man, with all the heat that is going on, and I, I have met great people, uh, including Muhammad Ali, and I think, but as a sport. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe I think probably Michael Jordan or Muhammad Ali. You know, just those guys are incredible. And I would take them to Italy, and I want to have a jalapa with them afterward because hey, it's a conversational run, and it have jalapa afterwards. So <laughs> I think it that's would be, a great answer. You know, I think those two guys would be. I mean, I never met Jordan, but I met uh, Muhammad Ali, great man, and uh, uh, he he made fun of my hair. It's like, what's happening to my hair? This is in 2000, when I was losing my, my hair, and. Uh, I don't know, it's not growing anymore, but he was a great guy. And I think, but I think Jordan would be very interesting also just, just to, you know, you know, to be able to, you know, I've been always been discounted and, uh, not, I've never been their favorite or whatever. People always run me down. And for him, I would love to know what happened that first practice or when he didn't, when he got caught at the team, you know, <laughs> not to be the greatest ever. So, you know, that would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, so this is just going back to a previous point, and I was talking about this with uh, a fellow writer. His name is Amar, and we were talking. This is around Boston last year or New York, and in every one of my race previews, I always have to write, you know, just because you're in the race and because of how you ride in the in the past, you always have to be a contender or a dark horse, whatever it is. Never the favorite, but an underdog. So where did and Amar always wanted to know, like, where did you get that underdog spirit? even though you still had an Olympic medal, and if it was after 2009 you, you had a New York City win on your resume, you still had the, the underdog mentality. Where did that come from? Um, humility of God, I guess. I mean, I, I have no idea what that came from, but it's just humility, humble, and, 
you know, the marathon especially can humble you very, very quickly. And uh, anything can happen in a marathon. And uh, I always believe, even when I raced Paul Sargat to 04, 55, or James Combi, who had the fastest, I believe, when he was in New York, I was just going to run the air group. And my mentor, Bob Lawson, and I always talked about, uh, as I talk about in both of my books, Run to Overcome and Metal Mortals, it's just, hey, you just got to be one-third of the field. And we always talk about that when we're at the NCAAs, when we're uh, running against the U.S. and against the field elite uh, world level. You know, I never really had a hit, hit home run at the world championship in the pancake because of the sickness or ill or uh, conditions were tough. But we always think about that. I always wanted to be in the top ten in the, uh, or in the cross country or uh, the world championships, which I never did. But, it, you know, sometimes when you come to race, you know, you just show up. Who's going to show up? I always people talk about run. And, you know, when, when they beat me, I said, they showed up. If I beat him, I said, I guess I got him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> once we're able to just say one third, I just got to be one third, and does one third uh, show up, and then you, you know you try to finish in the podium. Every spot counts. Every spot counts, and uh, every uh, place. And I fought for it, and whether it's uh, 11th for New York or 22nd after the food poisoning, and then New York or 23rd, or maybe 23rd of that year, and then with Mike Cassidy and. You know, try to make the most of it, but uh, my Cassidy, when I finished hand in hand with him, 2013, and all those moments mm-hmm. counts, and the friendship, the camaraderie that you run into people, you know, it's, it's amazing. And I feel been underdog though. It's always the marathon, and also, you know, in high school, I wasn't, you know, even though I ran five million in high school, uh, and in the seventh grade, you know, you got to work your way up to the to that, and then I just worked my way up from from the beginning all the way to the end, the best that I can. That was great. Uh, and the last one has nothing to do with running. Are you ready for this one? This one, but, is... I, will, but I will incorporate running into it somehow, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So, well, well, it's a basketball question, and so I ask all the guests this question. This is the last question I ask everyone. You get 25 shots from half court. You make one, you win 25 million dollars. If you make none, you go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt the shot? <laughs> so if you win 25 million if you don't you go to jail yeah I would not you just need to make one because <laughs> I'm I'm very good about my skills on basketball <laughs> so you wouldn't take the shot nope I would not take the shot because why would I want to go to jail <laughs> exactly and there's so many people who say that they would try it and they don't realize how bad jail is or uh, they overestimate uh, their their skills. A lot of people are too overconfident, I think, with that answer. But, um, Meb, I'm so glad to what, see your what head in the right what place. What has been the answer so far for you? Is it 50-50 or most people say they wouldn't take a shot? What, what has been the outcome? Uh, I have to go back and maybe look at the numbers to see what it is. But I think there's the majority say no. But then you look at the people who say yes, and it makes sense. It's like Molly Huddle, Nick Simmons. Uh, some of these people were very confident in their athletic performance that they would they would give it a try. And how many shots did you have? You said twenty-five. Twenty-five shots. So I was oh. thinking about this too because I was watching. Oh, I, I think it was maybe like last year. For twenty-five million or something. What, is that what is it? About twenty-five shots for twenty-five. You just need to make one. Yeah, you, you get twenty-five shots. If you make one, then you win the twenty-five million. But if you make zero shots, you go to jail for twenty-five years. Oh, uh, and from halfway. Yep. I'll take it a shot. Oh, wow. There we go. So you I'll changed your answer. 25, 20, 25 opportunities. 
I, I, I think I think the shot. Yeah, next time you're in New York, if we find a basketball court, we'll give it a try. <laughs> I don't have $25 million, and, and I won't call the cops on you. Hey, okay, that, that's fine. That's fine. I was going to say, I'd rather, if I'm going to be in jail, I don't want to be in New York jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Mev, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. This is a lot of fun. It was a, it was a cool trip down memory lane, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll see you sometime when uh, you make trips to New York all the time, or I'll catch you in Boston. At some point, I'll see you. If you're still recording, I'd like to give a shout-out to Chris Paul and Dirk Saniski. They were teaching me how to shoot, and especially Dirk from the free throw. But Chris Paul, after I won New York, he says, man, how did you do that? He had the energy to run 26 uh, miles and uh, over two hours and had the energy to push after I won New York. And uh, he says, if I can only keep up for 45 minutes. So I'm going to teach him. Hopefully, I met a few times, great guy. And then uh, I'd like to, you know, teach me a little bit about, about basketball with just 25 shots. There you go. <laughs> there All you right. go, Mev. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we'll, I'll, All right. I'll catch up soon. All right, buddy. So that does it for this episode of the Sidious Mac Podcast. As always, Meb Kofleski is a pleasure to listen to his stories from his career, which you know include an Olympic silver medal, a New York City Marathon title, a Boston Marathon title. It goes on and on. In four Olympics, he's the only guy to ever do that. Um, and so we really only touched the surface on his career. Uh, I'll try and get him back on the show. Hopefully, maybe before Boston, we can uh, go in depth again on on something else. He's uh, he's a treat. I came away from uh, the taping of that being like, wow, I learned something new. And I hope you guys did as well. Next week's show, I still don't have a guest pinned down just quite yet. I have, I'm trying to brainstorm and have a couple in mind. Um, but yeah, always open to suggestions from you guys. Tweet at me, at Chris Chavez. Um, you guys can send me an email with any questions or feedback. Chris at CDSMag.com. Uh, and yeah, now I've been. Uh, I think next week might be the first episode that we launch under a new model that we're going to have going with Sidious. I'll keep you guys posted on what exactly that means very soon. Uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, leave a five-star review, take your friend's phone and do the same. Congrats to Abby Bussey, who won the first T-shirt um, for doing that. She took two phones and subscribed on iTunes, left a five-star review and some nice words. And uh, as a result, sent her a small T-shirt, a white one with Sidious Mag logo. So if you do that, send me a video of you just taking all your teammates' phones and doing the same exact thing. And you might... The, the record right now is two. If you get more than two, you've got yourself a t-shirt. So, uh, yeah, just uh, tweet at Sidious Mag or email us, whatever. I'm rambling on once again. But I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running.